Welcome to the LB Strategy Show right here on AwesomeOak.com. Happy Friday, teams. We're going to get you ready for Game 3 of Rays and Dodgers tonight, Adam. Uh, great to chat with you here on a Friday. Of course, uh, we've had a tale of uh, two games tied now 1-1. Uh, you know, after game two, I know Frank Thomas was kind of really kind of going at the, the Dodgers here for kind of giving this one away, going with the bullpen game, which uh, maybe kind of says that they think this is going to be a seven-game series. Yeah, I thought it was kind of interesting they went that approach in, in game two. But, you know, now you get a, a rested bullpen, you get Walker Bueller coming back as, you know, an actual starting pitcher. So tonight's game should be more traditional. You have two actual starting pitchers going in this one. So a, a bit different from game two, more similar to game one, I think. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to kind of see if somehow the Rays are able to get to Walker early on in this game, if they have to go to that bullpen aspect of it and what the Dodger bullpen is going to be like, the fact that they had to use seven pitchers uh, in game two. Yeah, I mean, fortunately, they didn't. They were able to avoid using Julio Urias. That game, you know, kind of got out of hand relatively quickly, so they didn't use the most competitive arms they had. So I'm not too concerned about the shape of their bullpen. Like, I, I think that they should be fine for any sort of, of competitive game today. I mean, you look at uh, who they used in that game, the most pitches anyone threw was Alex Wood with 26, Dustin May through 25. So their actual relievers really weren't worked heavily at all. Um, Kenley Jansen didn't come in. Pedro Baez didn't come in. Those are guys that you'd be using towards the back end. Uh, Trinan didn't pitch. And then as far as long guys go, Julio Urias didn't pitch. So um, as far as, you know, functionally for this game, guys that they would want to use, they're they're pretty fresh. Of course, uh, this is the MLB Strategy Show. We are sponsored by Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports. They are the most trusted name in fantasy sports. Yahoo DFS does include CSV upload, CSV edit features, where you're looking to play those multiple lineups, make better choices. Choose Yahoo Daily Fantasy. Let's get right into the pitching in terms of this one. Let's talk about uh, the, the starting pitchers. You mentioned about uh, you know Walker uh, going up against Charlie Morton here. Uh, you know Walker as the captain on, on DK, 15 Six, 15 even for Charlie, and then in the utility spot, 10-4 for Walker and 10 even for Charlie. Uh, give me your take on, obviously, uh, you know, Charlie Morton has been a stud in the postseason for the Rays. I uh, guess yeah, so let's start with Charlie Morton's side of this, and what do you see from him tonight? Yeah, so it's clearly a tough matchup for him going up against the Dodgers. Uh, it's going to be any time in the series that you have two legitimate starters going in the same game and neither team is going with the bullpen approach, you're pretty much going to prefer the Dodgers starter just because he's facing the Rays as opposed to facing the Dodgers. So it, it is a tough matchup for Morton. You do get a bit of a price discount on him. Um, he's coming a little bit lower owned than, than Walker Bueller. Uh, our ownership just came out about eight minutes ago. And I think that should be the case. You know, we have um, 21% captain ownership going to Morton, 36% going to Bueller. Um, as far as utility ownership though, only 9% going to Bueller, 26% going to Morton because uh, he he is a little bit less expensive. I don't know if um, that'll if that ownership comes up on Bueller. I think that it probably should. But um, yeah, I think that you know Bueller you're going to prefer. But Morton, you know, uh, assuming he's going to be it, he, he's like he's stretched out. He's an actual starter. So I think that especially in cash games, you're going to want both pitchers. But even in tournaments, you know, using them at flex, you'll still be able to get good enough hitters in that I would expect to be rostering a lot of pitching today. I know one of the questions we already got uh, in here is about relief pitchers and, you know, maybe who, who should we be looking at as potential targets? So this isn't a slate that I'm nearly as interested in that. I, I think that, you know, because again, both starters should just go deeper into the game, but something Josh and I had talked about prior to game two, um, because, you know, we had said at the beginning that 
showdown like showdown baseball is a pretty new format to us we haven't really played it until now so we're still kind of you know trying to, to figure it out and give our thoughts along the way but one thing that i felt like i underestimated game one was the viability of using back-end relievers that are you know like forty four hundred dollars because even if you get a you know you can get some hitters down in that four to five k range but it's still really easy for them to get zero points so in large field tournaments taking that ownership discount and going with a reliever uh, can make some sense. Looking at the pricing today, um, you have Pedro Baez at 4,400. You have Kenley Jansen also coming in at 4,400. I think that in a competitive game, you're likely to get Baez. If the game is a little bit less competitive, you're likely to get Jansen. Either of those guys should probably give you an in, around an inning here. So, you know, you're talking if if they get in, probably three to four points most likely. Uh, so yeah, you, know, like, you, you can use either of those guys in large field tournaments, not guys I'd be looking at in cash, not guys I'd be overly concerned about in, in your smaller field, three max or single entry stuff. I mean, I think the question on the Charlie Morton side of this is, can he make it to the sixth inning? Right. And that's obviously a, a big concern. He hasn't thrown, he hasn't reached a hundred pitches at least since August 4th. I don't have any game logs beyond that in front of me, but uh, he was pulled really quickly in his last start against Houston went five and two thirds innings was pitching. Well, they pulled him at 66 pitches, basically at the first sign of trouble, which was really weird. I don't really know if it's just a a case of him being someone that Kevin cash is particularly paying, paying particularly close attention to not going a third time through the order or or what the deal is there. But we have seen a, a quick hook with Morton. I think that is a bit of a concern. That being said, he's been efficient, you know, with, uh, his, his scoring basically, you know, even though he's not getting hundred pitches, he's still going out there and giving you solid fantasy performances. So I'm not, I'm not really concerned about Morton's leash. I think that it, he obviously should be projected behind Walker Bueller in terms of points, but I, I think that he at least has a long enough leash that he he's still a good play for fantasy purposes. Yeah. I mean, my thing with the Rays when it comes to relief pitchers is I just don't feel like cash is going to stick him in there very long. They're going to get three, four batters and they're probably going to be right out of the game. Right. You have Tampa playing matchups that they activated an extra left-handed reliever for this series in uh, Ryan Sheriff over Aaron Sliger's. So it's even, you know, one more guy that they can use just for matchups. Obviously you have the the three batter rule um, unless an inning ends, but other than that, there's nothing really limiting Tampa from what they can do. If you look, if you go back to Wednesday, uh, Pete Fairbanks threw 23 pitches, Nick Anderson threw 19. So I would assume that, they're both available. I assume Tampa has their entire bullpen here. You know, if you want to take a shot on like a Peter Fairbanks, who should probably pitch as long as the game's competitive. But the problem there is he's a 5,600. So he's not even at that same price point as Baez and um, Jansen are. Nick Anderson is 4,800. So you you take a shot at him. But again, I'm not really expecting more than an inning, maybe an inning and a third or something out of these guys. Yeah, I mean, that that to me would be a concern with the Rays. Uh, of course, uh, the Rays bats uh, did come alive there. We saw Brandon Lau finally come out of uh, the slump that he is in. So we're going to talk about hitting here momentarily. I do want to let you know today's free, free premium content over at awesomeo.com is MLB player projection. So you can check that out right now there at awesomeo.com. Of course, be sure to uh, hit that like button here on this video. Subscribe, hit that notification bell so you know when new videos are posted and we are live right here on YouTube. Uh, let's talk about the, the hitting side in this one. I mentioned about uh, the, the Rays bats coming alive in the last game, particularly Brandon Lau, who has been just God awful 
throughout the postseason. I'm sure there's probably a lot of people watching that are probably the same boat that I am, that we have uh, been riding that brand loud train for the entire postseason, and finally it paid off for us. Yeah, it was it was nice to see him finally break out. It was, it was kind of funny, too, because Kevin Cash had a quote. I don't remember exactly what the quote was, but it was something along the lines of something that had happened in game one made him think things were going to turn around for Lau. And it was kind of one of those quotes that you hear it, and it's just it was just, you know, coach speak, and you don't really think anything of it. And then Lau comes out and immediately hits two home runs in game two. So, you know, maybe Cash knew what he was talking about. But, yeah, it's good to see Lau get it turned around. Obviously, when, whenever you talk about guys going through hitting slumps in baseball, you don't want to be – adjusting your your lineups or your projections all that much it, it just happens there's nothing really just just because someone is has had you know 10 bad games in a row or something like that it's normally not going to be predictive of what happens in the future so you kind of just want to ride through it and then it's just really nice when they finally do turn it around like like Lau did last game so he's still affordable um you know decent spot against Morton Morton has given up a lot more power to lefties or sorry against Bueller. Uh, Bueller's given up a lot more power to righties actually than, than lefties this season, a two fifty two expected ISO to righties one twenty to the lefties looking at last year, one sixty four to righties one twenty seven to lefties. So, you know, if you're splitting hairs, maybe look to like a Rosarena from the right side, but uh, he is more expensive. I think Lau's salary is fine. Uh, no issues going back to him today. Yeah, just looking at the utility over on TK, Rosarina, 9,800 in utility, uh, Brandon Lau, 8,600. I mean, I think it kind of raised that question on DK of, you know, do, do you put a hitter in, in the captain spot as opposed to maybe going with one of the pitchers? I definitely wouldn't in cash games. In tournaments, it's, it's a more reasonable consideration. Um, one thing I did notice kind of just looking back through lineup study on Fantasy Cruncher at previous slates was, and, and I mean, it's obviously – it kind of goes without saying, but on the slates where starting pitching did relative did reasonably well, you typically needed a starter at captain. And the reason I bring that up isn't to say, you know, yeah, you, you if the pitcher does well, you need to have him. Like that's obvious. But you like looking at this game, you do expect there's a pretty good chance that a starting pitcher does well since you have two actual starting pitchers that are good going. This isn't like last game where you had Blake Snell who has huge questions of his own. And then you had the Dodgers clearly going with a bullpen approach. So you actually have two starting, uh, two starting pitchers here. Um, that being said, you do get a lot of ownership going there. I mean, right now we have a projected 57% of ownership going to either Charlie Morton or Walker Bueller at captain. And I don't think that's bad. You know, it's obviously going to project really well. But the thing to keep in mind with baseball is that one home run from anybody puts you in the same range as the median projection for either pitcher. Of course, it's really difficult to get, you know, to guess which guy hits the home run. But when you're talking tournaments and, and trying to differentiate, you're getting such low ownership on basically every hitter with the exception of Austin Meadows, who's still way, way too cheap. You're getting such low ownership there that if you're playing a bunch of lineups in, in larger field stuff, I think there is merit to going that route because you're going to be competing with a lot smaller percentage of the field. You, you know, if you just happen to get on the right hitter captain. So um, I, I think my captain approach depends a lot on what contests I'm playing and how many people I have to beat. Yeah. Looking at the ownership and seeing that uh, Kevin Kiermeyer, obviously because of that salary is getting a lot. He's just one of those guys that race lineup. I just can't trust him. Yeah, but I mean, the, the counter to that is, and again, there's a, a huge difference. There's probably a bigger difference in baseball than any other sport between how you view cash games and how you view tournaments, because there's so much volatility in baseball uh, as, as opposed to other sports. So like in cash games, I 
there, there's no real reason to be getting away from Kevin Kiermaier at his price point because he's going to let you get Walker Bueller captain. He's going to let you get other good plays in your lineup. In tournaments, he's still a fine play because he's so cheap and he lets you get upside elsewhere in your lineup. But whenever you're talking about a hitter that's going to get right now, we haven't projected for 55% utility ownership and 5% captain ownership. So about 60% aggregate ownership in, in tournaments, you're still talking about a hitter for one, any hitter can get zero, a, relatively high percentage of the time Two, that hitter is Kevin Kiermaier. Who's not one of the better hitters on Tampa. He's sitting at the bottom of the order. So he's losing in at bat in a lot of cases. Um, whenever you have that much ownership going there, you can just be different by not rostering the 4k hitter. So in tournaments, I think again, larger field, especially there's more merit to getting away from Kiermaier, just hoping that he, he throws up a zero in smaller field stuff where you're competing against fewer players. And certainly in cash games, I'm more inclined to take the savings with Kiermaier and then try and be different somewhere else in my lineup. Look, as a race fan, I know why Kevin Kiermaier is in the lineup. It's not what he's doing at the plays, what he's doing in center field. Which actually is kind of valuable for DFS, though, because like, for example, game one, you had um, a situation where Hunter Renfro was starting for Tampa mm-hmm. and Jack Peterson was starting for the Dodgers. And it was pretty clear that if the game was competitive, both of those guys were going to be pit, pinch hit for as soon as you got into the bullpen. Whereas with Kevin Kiermeyer, there was virtually zero chance of him being pinch hit for. You're not pinch running for Kevin Kiermeyer; He's fast. And you're not pinch hitting for him because you need him in the outfield playing defense. So his, like you said, the reason he's playing is his defensive ability, but that actually does carry some value for a hitter as cheap as he is, because there's no pinch hit risk there. He's too good defensively to take out of the lineup. Yeah, I mean, if you, when you look at the ownership difference between DraftKings and FanDuel, it's a drastic difference. Or talking about Kevin Kiermaier, while you know you mentioned, you know, you know, between captain and utility, sixty plus percent ownership over on FanDuel, it's only twenty percent. Yeah, FanDuel has him at five K. Um, so he's actually when you compare him to other hitters, I mean, on FanDuel, he's the same price as G Man Choi. He's more expensive than Joey Wendell. Um, you know, I, I couldn't even say it without laughing that Kevin Kiermaier is the same price as G Man Choi. Um, it's you know obviously you're going to to prefer Troy you're going to look to there's so many other bats that uh, you can pivot to you know Austin Barnes if he's in the lineup is a thousand dollars less than Kiermaier so he doesn't have that same value he's more expensive than Adamas too he doesn't have that same value on FanDuel because there's just a lot of really cheap hitters whereas on DraftKings if you're foregoing Kiermaier it's going to force you in the direction of probably not being able to get both starting pitchers, um, almost definitely not being able to get one of them at captain and having to make, having the roster some other not very good hitters. So uh, it makes a much bigger difference in roster construction on DraftKings than it does on FanDuel. I mean, I'm looking at the FanDuel salaries and, or ownership, I should say. And of course we know no, no pitcher. So we're just looking at hitting. And of course, you know, the top three uh, ownership we're seeing in terms of captain, they're all Dodgers. Which, I mean, should be a surprise. I mean, I think we would expect that just because with the raised bats, I mean, look, if, if I'm looking at, at, you know, who am I going? Maybe it's, you know, Austin Meadows uh, is getting the most when it comes to the raise in terms of ownerships. Um, you know, maybe Brandon Lau is out of, is out of this slump. And, and maybe he, if you want to target a Ray in that MVP spot on FanDuel, maybe, maybe it's Brandon Lau. Yeah, a little bit of an ownership discount there for Lau versus Meadows. You know, I, I do agree that Meadows should be the highest owned just because I think he is the, the best hitter there and, and his mm-hmm. salary is affordable. But there's, you know, in, in the context of one baseball game, Brandon Lau, for all intents and purposes, has the exact same ceiling as Austin Meadows. Both these guys have massive power. Um, so, yeah, like whichever one is lower owned 
in tournaments, you're not making a bad play if you just pivot. But it's certainly not something you have to do because, again, something that we, we talk about a lot, your tournament lineups, you need to view them in the context of your entire lineup, not just one player. So you don't want to just go into it saying, oh, the biggest edge on the slate is playing Brandon Lau over Austin Meadows because that's crazy. They're, it's the same play. If you're contrarian somewhere else, Austin Meadows does project slightly higher. So uh, there's no problem with going to Meadows. But it's whichever one's lower owned is going to be fine in terms of just a one, like looking at it, one player versus one player. You know, we mentioned about the the value of Kevin Kiermeyer on DraftKings at 4,000. Who's the best value bat you see out of the Dodgers? I mean, it's kind of hard because, I mean, if you look at the lowest uh, salary bat here, it would be Austin Barnes at 4,800 to say he's in the lineup. Uh, but is there any of those Dodger bats that you think you were getting a discount on? Not really. Like Barnes is clearly the best value, but he's also still getting plenty of ownership, almost 40% combined ownership. So he is coming in at a discount to Kiermaier among the value bats, but he's still um, pretty popular. The Dodgers, I I don't think offer the same value. They're they're more of like a luxury that you can get to if you use Kiermaier or, you know, I guess if you use Barnes, but I, I think that they are priced a lot less favorably than Tampa as a whole. I mean, you even look to like AJ Pollock, who should probably be batting seventh, $7,200. So he's more expensive than I'm pretty sure like the entire Tampa lineup, except for Meadows, Lau and Rosarena. One of the questions in the chat from David, he says, uh, you know, who are the four to five players who won't get pinch hit for? I mean, and when I look at that question, I just say, well, we must just talk about the race. Cause I feel like the Rays are going to be the ones doing the pinch hitting. Yeah. With, with, and it's tough because a lot of it depends also on game situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we even saw Austin Meadows get pinch hit for in the seventh inning the other day. So Lau's not getting pinch hit for. One thing that you can kind of fall back on to try and, and work through this on your own is think about what a lineup looks like when a left-handed pitcher starts. You know, obviously the Dodgers are starting a righty today, but think about what the lineup looked like when Kershaw started. Brandon Lau was still in the lineup. So you assume they're not pinch hitting for him if a lefty comes in. Kevin Kiermaier was still in the lineup. You assume they're not pinching for him if a lefty comes in because they need him defensively. Lau just hits lefties well, so there's no reason to pinch hit for him. But Austin Meadows has some pinch hit risk. Uh, G-Man Choi has pinch hit risk for sure. Joey Wendell, you could pinch hit for. Um, as far as the righties go, I think they're pretty safe. La Rosa Reina is not going anywhere. Manny Margot should be fine. Adamus isn't going anywhere and Zinino should be okay. So I think the pinch hit risks for Tampa are Meadows, Choi, and to some extent Wendell. And the problem there is, of course, Meadows is one of the best values on the slate. He's the best hitter, one of the best hitters, at least on Tampa. So you're still going to roster him. You just have to know that there's late inning pinch hit potential if the Dodgers bring in a lefty. And the same goes for Choi because, you know, he's batting, he's probably batting cleanup. He's got a lot of power but they can just go to Yandy Diaz as soon as the Dodgers bring a lefty in. Yeah, I mean, Troy is the first one that, that sticks out to me. Um, you know, Bruce Howe, I think, is another potential uh, as, as yeah. one they can bring in there as well. But, I mean, you mentioned this great point. It's, it's, it's all going to come down to what's the situation in the game. You, I mean, anyone who's followed the Rays for the last 10 years, they know that this is a very analytic-driven team. That they've, I mean, literally, they've got a card that – Kevin Cash has that's going to give every single situation of who should go into the game. Now, is there any on the Dodgers? We did see them use uh, you know pinch runners uh, at the end of their lineup uh, in game two. But any concerns on on potential you know maybe who could lose in a bat or so? 
Not too much. AJ Pollock would probably be my biggest concern because you can throw Edwin Rios or Jack Peterson in there. Um, I mentioned it before game two. If Austin, if Will Smith is catching and Austin Barnes is DHing, Austin Barnes carries pinch hit risk. If Barnes is catching and Smith is DHing, Barnes should be safe because pinch hitting for him too early would mean that you're losing your designated hitter. So I that that's something to pay attention to. But um, Pollock would probably be the the biggest risk for me. I think you also could just see Jock Peterson start over Austin Barnes today. Uh, you know, potentially Smith catch Jock DH. So that's you know certainly possible too. But out of the projected lineup, I think Pollock carries the most risk of potentially late in the game seeing Jock Peterson um, get in the lineup. If Jock starts, then Jock obviously has pinch hit risk because he'll be gone yeah. as lefty comes in. Yeah, that's that's a concern I have with, with going with Jock. As you look at the ownership, I mean, let's look at the DK side of things. Is there a Dodger bat that you just look at and say, man, that ownership's getting pretty high. I, I, I might need to give it a little less. Barnes, I guess, but that's more so, – so Barnes is one of those guys where if I'm playing 150 lineups in a, a large field tournament – I think I probably get around the field on him just because I'm not going to, I'm probably not going to want to play like hundred percent Kiermaier and going to those value bats is going to be useful in three max stuff. I probably would just stay away from Barnes at 40% ownership and, you know, hope Austin Barnes doesn't beat me. Um, so I think, you know, his ownership may be driven up a, a little bit too high looking at the rest of, uh, of the Dodgers, you know, Pollock at 30%, again, maybe not even in the lineup. He's in projected lineups right now, but it wouldn't be surprising at all if Jack Peterson got the start, um, in which case he would probably be popular. And again, you want to keep in mind that he's not getting in a bat against the lefty unless the game is already out of hand. So um, that, that would be something to pay attention to. But amongst the rest of them, I don't think the ownership looks too high because DraftKings did really price these guys up relative to Tampa Bay. It, it's just going to be tough to get to them. Like, I have no issue rostering a 25% owned Will Smith or Cody Bellinger, uh, the price or the, the ownership on Turner and Taylor and Muncy, it, it goes down really as you get better in hitters with Seager and Betts being the two lowest owned hitters from the Dodgers. So I, I don't really have any issue whatsoever with any ownership on the Dodgers. Now, if you do want to place a bet on the game, go to awesomeo.com, go over to Odd Shopper so you can price out the books right now. Uh, looking at the, uh, the best bets we have, Dodgers minus 149, uh, and then the best line right now on the Rays, pretty much across the board with them, plus 135 in terms of that, uh, the run line on the game, uh, excuse me, the total on the game, over seven and a half. I might go under on that one. Seven and a half? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's two good pitchers. It's two bullpens that had a day off. Um, we're we're kind of due to see a game that doesn't have runs either, for lack of a better word. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't have a problem with that. Yeah, of course, uh, this is the MLB Strategy Show right here at awesomeo.com. Be sure to hit that like button, hit that subscribe notification bell so you know we have a new show coming up. Uh, one of the popular questions that's been asked a couple times, got asked on Slack, also got asked on YouTube. Uh, you know, Slack was basically along the lines of, you know, hey, how often is going with two pitchers going to be optimal for you? Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't – I'll wait on Josh's Sims for the actual answer to that, but um, it, it's – obviously really slate dependent on slates like today, it's going to be a lot higher percentage than for example, game two, game two, it was pretty obvious that you weren't, that there was a really low percentage that any Dodgers pitcher was going to be in an optimal lineup um, just because of, of the bullpen game. Whereas today it's pretty 
it's pretty likely. I mean, if because you have to think about it from just kind of a the, the way the game works too. Like if Bueller and Morton both pitch well, hitters are naturally doing worse also. And both of these pitchers can go, you know, five, six innings. They can put up 20 plus fantasy points. So there's a relatively good chance that that both pitchers are in the optimal today. Uh, I think it's reflected, you know, in their ownership as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, a couple of questions we got was, you know, Sterling says, would you play both stars and GPPs? Kevin, is this a night to play both pitchers? Uh, Antoine saying two pitchers is the way to go if you feel comfortable squeezing them both in. Yeah, I, I think it is a good two-pitcher slate. Um, in As far as the GPP question, you kind of have to think about your specific risk approach and all that too. Like there are some people who like – the last thing they want to do is dupe a lineup in a large field tournament, in which case, yeah, maybe don't play both pitchers because it's going to um, really limit the rest of your options. For me personally, I think that approach is too far off base and you need a massive bankroll to be able to, to sustain that because you're just going to end up not cashing tournaments that much and you need to basically be able to afford to play forever until you get first place. So um, for me, where I'm not, overly concerned about that and i just accept that i'm going to dupe some lineups and i'm going to have you know just i'm going to play the same lineups as some people i have no issue whatsoever playing two cat to the two pitchers together because they both um grade out really well for me like i'm gonna do i'm gonna be trying to do something within a tournament lineup to to be contrary to be contrarian to be unique but i'm not going to just forego what i think is the best strategy on the slate just because other people are doing it too what's your uh, strategy for cash I'm, I would be shocked if I don't have both pitchers in cash. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason being that, for one, they're both really popular, and taking a stand in cash against the two highest projected players on the slate seems really bad. Um, also, just with the way baseball is, the floor for every hitter, no matter how good they are, is, is zero. And for pitchers, it's a bit higher. Um, so you are just getting more points in your lineup. By it, it, you know, you're getting more medium. You're getting more medium points. You're getting a higher ceiling. You're getting a higher floor by rostering pitchers. So um, there's really no way I'm not rostering both pitchers in cash. For someone who's a, a single entry GPP player, I mean, w- would the advice be go with two pitchers or would the advice be go pick one just to try to make yourself different? My, so, so the first thing off the top of my head or, or kind of, you know, cause I haven't made tournament lineups yet, obviously, or, or started ranking them, but I would be inclined to, possibly you know roster one pitcher like Bueller captain but then five hitters the problem you run into there is that the five hitters are going to be able to afford or facing Bueller um but you could also the like the approach that I went with game one which I think is pretty similar to this one I had a hundred percent Clayton Kershaw but I rostered him at flex instead of at captain and then I just you know hope to get the right hitter like in three max I think I had I had a Kevin Kiermaier captain I think I had a Manny Margot captain and a Yandy Diaz captain the Kevin Kiermaier captain obviously worked out I got second place in like the $150 uh, three max so it was a different lineup because so many people did play Kershaw played him at captain right now you're seeing the same thing in our projected ownership where we have um you know, 45% or 46% total ownership going to Bueller but like 36% of that at captain so you're a little bit different if you do go with a hitter captain, then you can afford to maybe get Bueller and Morton both as your flex and then some decent hitters to fill it out. So um, that's probably the approach I would lean to because again, when you're playing single entry or three max, those are just smaller field tournaments. You know, even 
if a player is 60% owned, just the raw number of players you're competing against that have him is so much lower than in large field tournaments. You don't, your odds of being duped are much lower and the, how far off the path you have to get to try and get a solo win is just so much lower that you really don't have to get that crazy in it. Of course, we do have a giveaway going on on, on our Twitter account, which is at awesomeo underscore com, where you go over there, see the pin tweet, and the question is how many strikeouts will Walker Bueller have in game three tonight of the World Series? Click on the image. I'll let you know all the details you have, how you can get the nice giveaway that we have going on over today at awesomeo.com. Of course, if you ever miss our shows, they are available in podcast form as a part of the Osmo Podcast Network. If you do have any questions, uh, hit those up in YouTube. Uh, we talked a lot about uh, the DraftKings side of things, particularly with the pitchers. Uh, let, let's talk to our FanDuel players out there in terms of you know who, you know, who we should be looking at the MVP and, and the star spot. Yeah, so I mean, looking at FanDuel right now, you have um, the most ownership at MVP going to Betts and then Bellinger and then Seager. So um, a bit different than DraftKings. Um, Betts is 9,500, uh, Bellinger is 9K. So they're both expensive relative to the other hitters, but the other hitters, there are so many cheap hitters on FanDuel that it's not really going to be difficult to, to get to them. Um, but again, you know, anytime you can differentiate a hitter in baseball, it's not a bad idea just because there is so much volatility there. So, you know, maybe looking to an Austin Meadows, who is the fifth highest MVP out of the hitters, um, as opposed to, you know, a Seager or a Bellinger makes some sense. Yeah. One, one of the questions uh, was about the, you know, fan to approach this game, a race stack or a Dodger stack. I Yeah. I mean, I don't, worry too much about stacking and showdown because you're just naturally going to get them anyway. I think the Dodgers are clearly the preferred side. They just have the, the better matchup. They're the better offense. Um, they are, of course, more expensive. But on FanDuel, it's still going to be relatively easy to, to stack either team because like Seager, Bellinger, and Betts are expensive. But other than that, the difference in hit in pricing between the, a lot of the hitters isn't really that high. Like Justin Turner is not that much more expensive than Meadows or, or Lau. Will Smith's cheaper than both. Pollock's cheaper than both. Peterson, if he's in, I'm sure is inexpensive. So, um, you know, I, I'd prefer the Dodger side, but again, it's just not something that I, I worry about too much in showdown because you're just naturally going to get to it anyway. But like you mentioned a little earlier, the problem with Jock is what happens if it's the fifth inning and all of a sudden a left-hand pitcher's in the game. Right. He's definitely someone you want to pay a lot of attention to the ownership on, probably even more so than, than usual, because projections for hitters like that are still going to be relatively high, especially for their salary, because they do so much damage on a per plate appearance basis that it's not like Jack Peterson is going to project for three fantasy points, even if you're factoring in his pinch hit risk like you should be, because he's still going to get extra base hits at a relatively high rate. But the floor is lower when you're expecting two to three plate appearances as opposed to four or, or five. So I think you, you want to pay particularly close attention to that ownership, because if he's basically if he is projected well enough that he's getting into optimal builds, his ownership is going to go up probably a lot higher than it should be in tournaments. Where, you know, if if just throwing a number out, let's say Jock's 40% owned, all I have to do is hope Jack Peterson doesn't hit a home run in one of his first two at-bats, and then I get to jump ahead of 40% of the field, you know? So I, I think you want to pay a lot of attention to the ownership. The flip side of that, too, is keeping in mind that there's no guarantee that your hitter that gets one or two extra at-bats scores any more points, because, again, you can just line out four times but um from an ownership standpoint and comparing it to the chances of success it does 
make a difference when you're the, the guy's going to get one or two less opportunities to do anything. Yeah. I mean, I just, I, I'm, I'm, to me, you're just, you're hoping that Jock hits a home run in one of those first two at bats. Right. Because you, I mean, it's, it's, it's always tough to talk. I mean, it's really difficult to talk about like a one game baseball slate because on one game slates in general, there's just so much volatility that yeah. um, edges are going like you, you just have to play it so many more times for you to realize your edges. But at the same time, you still want to be pushing every edge that you can. And so like the example I used in game one was I saw a lot of really sharp players in cash play Renfro and Peterson. There were, there were a couple of lineups that projected really, really similarly. And a lot of them went with the Renfro Peterson lineup. And to me, it very easily could have won that day. But if you played that slate a thousand times, that lineup's coming out a little bit behind the ones that went with like Kiermaier Lau or, or something like that, just because of the plate appearances. So it's the same kind of thing. Like it's, there's no, there's still a really good chance that Jock Peterson succeeds. Um, you know, it's, it's a very small margin and it's a one game and it's one game, but it's just the kind of thing where um, if a lot of people are going to roster a hitter, that's very likely to be pitch hit for you're putting yourself in a position over a very large sample to come out ahead. If you want to get access to all these tools that we're talking about that we have over at awesome.com, you got to sign up for an awesome plus weekly pass, for $29.95, gives you full access to all the premium content on the website, such as player projections, ownership projections, our premium Slack channel, and so much more. And if you're only looking for MLB, get an MLB weekly pass for $15.95. Stop guessing, start winning. Join Awesome Plus today. All you got to do is go to awesome.com slash join or just go right to the, the main page. You'll see also a plus there on the left-hand side of the screen and sign up for a weekly pass, as I mentioned, to get for almost nearly every DFS, DFS sports out there, $29.95 for weekly. If you just want an MLB pass, it is $15.95. As I'm kind of just looking at our ownership on FanDuel in terms of the MVP spot, um, obviously, uh, I mentioned about earlier, you got the the top you know three Dodger bats are, are ones getting the most, but like, if you're looking for a sneaky Dodger bat, not named Betts, Bellinger, Seager, who is it? I mean, it's, it's tough, obviously, because those are the three that, that you're um, most interested in going to. But um, Justin Turner, you know, is is kind of next in line. Um, as far as looking at um, the, the matchup specifically, uh, Charlie Morton is kind of weird. He struck out. He has a higher. He had a higher strikeout percentage this season against lefties than righties by a pretty wide margin. Uh, he struck out 29 percent of lefties 21 percent of righties but a 211 expected iso to lefties compared to just shy of 100 against righties so did give up more power to opposite handed hitters you know as you would expect um so if they put the ball in play they can have some success there um obviously bellinger and seager both lefties but priced up at the top muncie as well uh once you move beyond those guys you kind of run out of lefties unless you're talking about jack peterson and we've already you know dove into that mm-hmm. so it is kind of tough with the dodgers because the the best power play the, the best home run um probabilities basically are all are all really expensive yeah i just want to look up uh randy rosarina as i look at his ownership i mean yes he, he's he's priced up but man this is a guy that i mean he he's been the mvp for the race in the postseason yeah he's another one that i think you pay kind of particularly close attention to the ownership because we don't have a track record of him in the major leagues. Like you can look at steamer projections. You can look at whatever your favorite projection system is and they project him obviously worse than he has been. I I think that the most likely scenario, like when we look back at Randy Rosarena, like 
you know, five years from now is that he settles in somewhere between where the projection systems had him most likely to end up and what he's done so far. Like, I think there's a really good chance that he is better than he was projected to be. I also don't think there's a very good chance that he is the next Mike Trout or something like that. So um, you want to pay close attention to ownership on guys like that because his price has come up because of his recent play. And we don't really know if the price is higher or lower than it should be. We won't know that for years, really. Mm-hmm. So that's where ownership becomes an even bigger factor because when there is a bunch of uncertainty around what we actually expect a player's skill set to be, if the field as a whole is saying, oh, this is the best hitter in this series, like we're just going to pay whatever price the site's put out there, then you obviously should just be not playing him and, and hoping that he's not as good as he has been. If, on the other hand, everyone is saying, uh, you know, he's just outperforming his talent and he's way overpriced and nobody's going to roster him, then you roster him because clearly he has the upside and the ability to do what he has done to this point. So whenever you have uncertainty really around the true skill set of a player, I think ownership becomes more important. To me, it's also what is the raised lineup? Who's batting fourth behind him? That to me is a question because you know he's not going to get a good pitch to hit. Because, you know, just of how he's been doing. So to me, when I'm looking at their race lineup, uh, it's going to be, is it Hunter Renfro? Is it John Choi? Who is batting behind him tonight? That to me will be something I'm going to pay attention to. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a fair point. Like you have, if if for some reason Renfro was batting cleanup, like Bueller is going to be, if it's a situation where like it's a, you know, 2-0 count, like he falls behind 2-0 on a, on a Rosarena, he's, probably not going to come back into the zone. He's going to just take his chances with Renfro behind him. Uh, with, with, assuming it's G-Man Choi, then you obviously have the left-handed bat and a, a dangerous left-handed bat at that, that for lack of a better word, does protect a Rosarina. Um, where you potentially run into to the problem you're talking about is later in the game when the Dodgers bring in a lefty to face Meadows. So they bring in, let's say in the seventh inning, they bring in a lefty to face Meadows. Mm-hmm. Meadows gets pinch hit for. They, the lefty faces Lau. And then you get a Rosarena coming up, assuming it's not a situation where like the bases are loaded or something, they're probably going to work around the Rosarena and then either go lefty lefty with Choi or bring in a righty to face whatever righty pinch hits for Choi. So um, late in the game, I think is where you're most likely to run into to that issue. Uh, of course, if you do have any questions, uh, hit those right now in the YouTube chat. Also over on Slack, if you got any questions that you want Adam to touch on here. Uh, in terms of, uh, you know, looking at that Dodger lineup, you, you mentioned Justin Turner. That was kind of the guy that I was looking at as potentially maybe someone to put in that captain spot if I don't want to go with with those, you know, those big three bats. Uh, Cody Bellinger is someone we mentioned before. Uh, should we be talking more about Will Smith? I think Will Smith's interesting um, just because – his price point is still relatively inexpensive. Um, he's got a lot of power. It's Will Smith isn't one of these guys that like he's a good hitting catcher. He's a good hitter that happens to play catcher. And so I think that there is a, a little bit of a discount on his salary. Um, you know, he's a little less expensive than Turner, for example. And I don't really know that he should be. I mean, Smith's got a ton of power. I think that he probably should be just as expensive as Turner. And again, it's only a $600 price difference on DraftKings, but that can make a pretty big difference when you're trying to get uh, a piece into your lineup, especially if, you know, you're, for example, not using Kevin Kiermeyer at, at the bottom. So, you know, I, I do think Will Smith is a, a good play. Uh, right now we have on DraftKings 24% combined ownership, only 1.6% captain ownership. So he's certainly the kind of guy where, you know, we had touched on it before in tournaments, being more willing to go with a hitter captain and you hope that you hit on the right one. He has more than enough power to be the, you know, to be the guy that that wins you a tournament at captain. 
In terms of strikeout upsides for both these starting pitchers, um, do you do you put Morton very similar to Walker, or do you kind of feel like Walker's, you know, baseline is a strikeout or two above Charlie? Yeah, I think it's higher. Um, for one, Bueller is just a better strikeout pitcher. Uh, this season, 28.6% strikeout percentage for Bueller, 24.7% for Morton. Then you factor in the teams that they're facing. The Dodgers are a tough team to strike out. They obviously are just really good hitters across the board, but um, some pretty low strikeout percentages in this lineup as well. Tampa Bay, I think a little bit more favorable in, in that in that regard. So you get a better strikeout pitcher facing a lineup that strikes out more. Um, so I, I do give the edge to Bueller. When you look at those right-handed bats on the Dodgers going up against a right-hander Morton, is, is there a right-handed bat that concerns you that maybe they won't pay off their price because just because of the matchup? Not, not too much. I mean, no, or I guess no more so than than usual. You know, um, even putting aside the fact that every hitter in in baseball is always a, a risk to not pay off their salary because um, of just how baseball is and, and getting zeros. But you know, the the righties for the Dodgers, for the most part, are such good hitters. Like Justin Turner is a good enough hitter that I don't really care who he's facing too much. I'm not changing like. My, I'm not, it's not changing how I feel about Justin Turner as a hitter. And the same goes for Will Smith. And then basically no matter who's pitching, I'm going to think Turner and Smith are better than Chris Taylor, for example. So there's not really much that's changing for me in terms of the, the matchup for the Dodgers hitters. Like one of the, the obviously Mookie Betts, we all know one of the best players in the game, but I, I think what I really love the fact is even if he gets on base as a walk, the, the potential that he could steal, not just second, but we see him go for third as well. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's, Something that I think sometimes goes overlooked, but stolen bases can be easier to predict than home runs. Like if guys get on base, there are some guys that they get on base with nobody ahead of them. They're going to look to run. And, you know, Betts is, is certainly one of them. I'm pulling up Charlie Morton's numbers now. Um, if I remember correctly, he used to be terrible at holding runners and now he's good. Um, yeah, that's the case. Like earlier in his career, he was pretty bad. Now he's graded out as above average at holding runners each of the last four seasons. So it's not a favorable running matchup, but I would still expect someone like Betts to try and steal a bed. One of the mentions in YouTube was about, you know, how many pitchers you go with on the DK side of things. Max three? Probably max two. Mm-hmm. I- yeah, I mean, I get max three works. I mean, it, it again depends what you're talking about. Like, if you're playing against thirty thousand people trying to to get a thirty percent to first first prize, I'm not really setting too many restrictions because any sort of negative correlation is offset by the fact that people won't do it, and it gives you a better chance of being unique. So I'm not really too concerned about it. And smaller field stuff, I probably wouldn't roster more than two. Just Unless, you know, maybe you could go, you could go like um, Morton, Bueller, Baez or something, because mm-hmm. let's say this is a 3-2 game in the eighth or, you know, late in the game, Baez is getting in. So, you know, you could go that route. It, it's not optimal because it's using a relief pitcher. But um, for example, like if you wanted to go, I don't think there's a problem. Let's say you, let's say you just took like the, basically the optimal lineup where Bueller's your captain. Morton's in the lineup. Kevin Kiermeyer is in is in there. If you take the Kevin Kiermeyer position and make it Pedro Baez, you know, at, at for four hundred dollars more, and that's where you're contrarian. I don't think there's any problem to that. So I guess I would say max three. Yeah, like as I just kind of look at ownership. I mean, we we talked about Rosen Rain. I mean, he's under ten percent ownership on DK. I mean, obviously that's price point plays into that. 
But then you got uh, you know someone like uh, Emmanuel Margot, who's I mean he's he's approaching Kevin Kiermaier ownership. Yeah, and I, I, Margot is one of those guys that he's in he he's a he's in cash for me. Like I'd be very he's in my cash lineup right now. I'd be very surprised if he's not in my cash lineup at whatever time this game starts. So his ownership is going to be very high because of that. Because if you go in the fantasy cruncher or whatever optimizer you use, it's you're just going to get Manny Margot in tons of lineups. He steals bases. He's a good enough hitter. He's probably batting fifth and he's really inexpensive in tournaments. You can go against that by just rostering anyone else. You know, if, if you find $600 for Willie Adamas at, at, you know, 10 to 12% lower ownership, uh, that's, that's fine. You know, if you can find money to get to just anyone else, um, but he, he is at a price point that's really useful because on DraftKings, the Dodgers are so expensive there's not really a counterpart on the Dodgers. So you basically just have, as far as looking at value, Kiermaier, who's getting a ton of ownership, Meadows, who's getting a ton of ownership, Margot and Barnes, both getting a lot of ownership. There's no like low owned value guy. They're, they're all getting ownership. What's your take on Max Muncy at uh, 9,400? More so a tournament uh, play for me just because mm-hmm. of, of the price. Like it's going to be really difficult to get to Muncy if you're doing what you should in cash games, like if you're playing Bueller at captain and then you're putting in uh, Charlie Morton, it's, I'm not sure if it's impossible. It's definitely difficult at the very least to get to Muncie. Um, if you start with those two, you have $6,100 per position. So you're basically not getting to a $9,400 Muncie, uh, at least, you know, not very easily. So he's just not going to end up in good cash lineups. I don't think. Um, because of the rest of the lineup and in tournaments, it's it's good. And again, it's the spot where the the pricing on DraftKings I think is fun in that it the the hitters at the top, the guys that you really want, um, Muncie, Seager, Betts, are expensive enough that you have to get off the optimal build to get to them. It's not like you can really just mm-hmm. say, oh, I'll play Muncie and I'll lose this one player and I'll be fine. Like you have to make some concessions to do it. And so in tournaments, it makes it appealing because you can get these really high upside bats at relatively low ownership for a one game slate um, just because you're getting off of the optimal build. So, um, you know, I, I think that he's someone that I really like getting to in tournaments. I think he's basically impossible to get to in cash games. Yeah. I mean, I think in tournaments, it's just a matter of, I mean, look, it's a majority of laps are going to have the two starting pitchers. in it. so, you know, if you only go with one of those pitchers, who, who is it, you know, looking at some of those, Lower end raised bats that maybe we haven't talked about. Joey Wendell at, at 7,600. Uh, Willie Adamas at 6,200. Yeah, and it's tough with them because they're not the best values and they're not the highest upside plays. Like, that's basically the two things you're looking at when you think about the two different formats. Like in cash, you're trying to get the best values in your lineup so that you can get you know the, the best projected lineup. In tournaments, you're trying to get as much upside at preferably lower ownership into your lineup. Neither of those guys really fit that because Adamus is more expensive than Margot. He's more expensive than Meadows somehow. And he's more expensive than Kiermaier. Um, Wendell's more expensive than all of them. You know, Wendell, you're getting into the, the same price range as like G-Man Choi and AJ Pollock and, and some Dodgers. So they, they're not really, I, they're not the best value and they're not the highest upside guy that should keep the ownership down. You know, we're still getting some ownership going to Adamus because he is cheaper than every Dodger except for Barnes. Um, Joey Wendell coming in, you know, at 17%, which is one of the, the lower ownership percentages. So they're more so, especially Wendell, guys that you would get to if you're playing 150 lineups just because you're pretty, you're probably rostering every hitter at least to some extent. Um, but in like 150, in like three max, I 
doubt that Wendell has a place in a lineup for me. Adamus maybe is like a pivot off of Margot. Of course, uh, over at also.com right now, our free premium content of the day is MLB player projections. So you can check that out over at awesome.com. Of course, uh, live before lock will be one hour before the game tonight. Uh, I believe the guys are going to start at 7.15 p.m. Each time first pitch is going to be, uh, I believe we want to say 8.08. Each time when it's going to go off here, Adam, anything else you want to mention before we get out of here? No, I think that's about it. You know, the same kind of thought process that goes in. If you're playing large field tournaments on a, a one game slate, don't overthink the correlations. Um, just, you know, try and put together lineups that have upside. And, and uh, if it feels kind of gross, it probably won't be duped too much, which is a, a plus. Of course, uh, coming up next, we got the NFL strategy show right here at awesome.com. So keep it out here all day long for all the coverage we have for DFS. Of course, be sure to come back later today for LB live before lock one hour for game three of the world series. That's going to do it for this edition of the strategy show right here on awesome.com. <laughs>